It's, uh, it's so good to be here. We, um, you know, every, every church plant is a miracle. And uh, so from those early days with uh, meeting with Chris and wondering what's God going to do in Red Deer and then to get to be here, uh, I think we were here about a year ago uh, in a cooler place, right? The Dome, uh, for those of you guys who remember that season, that was... Uh, uh, it, was, it was just neat to see what God's doing. And so, so to see familiar faces and new faces, and uh, I'm really encouraged to be able to uh, look at God's Word with you this morning. And we're going to be looking at uh, uh, the fruit of the Spirit. Now, that's a series we're going through in our church right now, and we, we're looking at uh, coming out of Galatians chapter 5, right? Uh, Paul is talking about do not work according to the flesh, but walk according to the Spirit. Walk according to the Spirit. And as we think about that, uh, to walk according to the flesh, is that's what we do naturally, right? Uh, it, it takes no effort to walk according to the flesh, but to walk according to the Spirit is to submit yourself to the Spirit of God. And so I want us this morning to think about, uh, in regards to the fruit of the Spirit, patience. And maybe some of you are like, I'm trying to be patient with the mic right now, but uh, I'm not sure. Is it going to change or not? Um, we're, 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 we're in a society that's just like, let's, let's get something done right now, right? That's, that's our thing. Like, let's, you know, if it takes more than three seconds, we're, you know, we're, we're, we get impatient. And I want us to just maybe take a step back and think about the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit comes from the fact that the Holy Spirit resides in every believer. Do you guys understand that this morning? If you are in Christ, the Holy Spirit has been given to you to live with you, to conform you into the character of God. And so when we think about the, the, the fruit of the Spirit, it is me becoming more and more like God, seeing His character conformed into my character. And if you do not have the fruit of the Spirit, if you don't have these characteristics in your life, then you have to ask yourself really whether you're truly in Christ, right? And so I, I want you to uh, think about that. I love how uh, MacArthur put it when it comes to the fruit of the Spirit. If you, uh, you know, when you first get saved, it's a little raw, and, and maybe you, when, you, when you, you think about it as like a flower bouquet, you're just seeing buds, you know, of peace and patience and kindness in your life. But, but as you grow in Christ, eventually you ought to become a, a bouquet, right? Those flowers will bloom and then you will become a bouquet and you get to become a bouquet to the world. When they look at your life, when they look at your family, they see something different. What is different about you? Well, you have peace and patience. Let me just remind us of some of those characteristics that God says will be conformed in us as we submit to him. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These are the things that become a part of our life, not because we're good people, but because Christ is changing us by the power of his spirit. Now, when we think about patience, I, I, I've already mentioned it. Like for me, it's like waiting. I just think about waiting. When somebody says be patient, I think that means waiting. But when we look at the Bible, there's, we'll see that there's something much more than that. And Wright has a great explanation. Patience as a fruit of the spirit means the ability to endure for a long time whatever opposition and suffering may come our way, and to show perseverance without wanting retaliation or revenge. That's what it means to be patient biblically. 
It is the ability to put up with the weaknesses and foibles of others, including other believers, and to show forbearance toward them without getting quickly irritated or angry enough to want to fight back. This is patience from a biblical point of view. And if you're like me, the, the first thought when it comes to patience is like, well, that's not me. Well, that's right. That's not many of you. And, and what the good news is here this morning, I want you to hear this. You can be and you will be patient as you submit to the Lord. It's a work that he does. And so it is with that hope that we're going to pray now and then we're going to look at God's word together. So let me pray. God, we're so thankful for this time together in your word. Lord, we're thankful that as we think about patience, Lord, that you are first patient with us. And as we think about your scriptures this morning, we're going to see, Lord, that your patience is what led us to salvation. Your patience is what you uh, modeled in your son, Jesus Christ, and patience is what you desire in your people. And so, God, we would be quick to admit we often aren't patient. God, forgive us, Lord, for walking in the flesh rather than your spirit. But God, we pray, would you lead us? Would you guide us this morning? Would you help us to understand these things so that, Lord, we might be further conformed into the image of your Son? Lord, would you use this preacher for your glory and for your honor, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so everybody needs a Bible. Are y'all got Bibles? Okay. Now, what's going to happen this morning is we're not going to be turning to just one passage. There's going to be lots of passages, and so thankfully, they've done a lot of work for you, and they're going to be putting the passages up, so if you kind of get behind. Uh, this is one of those great mornings when it's just good to write these verses down and look at them for yourself later. But we're going to be looking at uh, what does it mean to, to, to be filled with the fruit of the Spirit, and as we do so, we're going to be looking at it from three different angles. We want to see it from the perspective of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. Right, so let's begin by looking at the, the Father, and we wanted to apprehend the characteristic of patience in the heart of the Father. Do you understand the characteristic of patience in the heart of the Father? And when you think about uh, God in, 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 in people's perspective of God, they often think of God in the Old Testament as the angry God, right? Is it, have you ever heard anyone say that? Maybe you've thought that yourself. He, you know, he's just, he cannot wait to pounce on you. You know, he's just waiting for you to mess up, and that's, that guy was just striking people down. But if you understand the Old Testament, you would see that God is super patient in the Old Testament. Over and over and over again. If you just take the, we, in our church, we just went through the first 20 chapters of Genesis. Uh, anybody familiar with the first 20 chapters? You're like, you're going to use that for patience, Pastor? Because I think there's a flood in there. I've heard about that, and I, I think there's like this, this Babel thing and, and Sodom and Gomorrah. So you're saying those passages show, that, show us that he's patient. Yeah, 100%. Do you, do you understand? When, when the flood comes, how many godly people are left on the earth? Eight. There are eight people left on the earth who would submit to God the Father. Eight people. And, and, and as we studied that in our church, we're talking hundreds of millions of people on the earth by that time, possibly billions of people on the earth, and there's eight left. Do you think God is patient? And we're told in uh, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 20, 
that says this, they, the disobedient, formerly did not obey when God's patience waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was being prepared in which a few, that is eight persons, were brought safely through the water. Now, the Lord was patient, even as the, as the ark is being built, he's waiting. He's, he's giving grace to those who are watching that ark to be built, but they would not submit to him and, re, and, and, and repent of their sins. And so then the judgment did come. With the Tower of Babel, they deserved to be destroyed. They were doing the same kinds of things that they were doing when the, uh, when the flood had started, just before the flood had started. And instead, God graciously spread them over the earth. And, and when it came to Sodom and Gomorrah, he listened to, to Abraham. Abraham was like, hey, Lord, would, would you, if there's 50 righteous people, would you spare it? He's like, yeah, for sure, 50. How about 45. How about 40? He was like, a, you know, some of you maybe are farmers, right? An auctioneer. He's like, I kept going down, down, down to 10, right? He got down to 10. For the sake of 10, I will not destroy it. Guess what? There were not 10. God is patient towards us. And we see that over and over. Uh, you go to the book of Exodus, uh, chapter 34, verses 6 and 7. Uh, Exodus 34, 6 and 7. Uh, God is giving the, the people, the, the Ten Commandments, and he wants to under, help them to understand their, his character. And it says this, uh, coming before Moses, he says, The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who by, will by no means clear the guilty. Visiting the, uh, antig- uh, sorry, visiting the iniquity of the father on the children and the children's children to the third and the fourth generation. Now, we read those verses, and some of you, you just focus on the end. See that? He visits the iniquity on the third and fourth generation. Like, that's the kind of God he is. You know, he still, you know, he gives consequences to sin. You know, and this gets passed on from one generation to the next. Well, do we understand that that's God showing grace, that it's only to the third and fourth generation? And if you um, understand that maybe you do some of the things that your folks did, anybody do that? Okay. Anybody understand that, that your parents influence you in the things that you do? Well, sin can be one of those things. It could be passed on from one generation to the next. You, you, the way that you raised your children, maybe in a sinful way, well, Guess what? When they go to raise their kids, they can do it in a sinful way too. And if God's grace is not there to stop that pattern, then it would go on forever. But God is gracious. Ross puts it like this. What a gracious and and compassionate God does is to limit the effects of sin to the third or fourth generation. Instead of the ripples of sin going on forever, God will show, slow them down and eventually stop them. By contrast, it says, he is pleased to magnify covenant love to a thousand generations who can measure the effects of the smallest choice for God and against the rampant self. And some of you are first-generation Christians. And, 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 and now, by God's grace, you will raise your children in the Lord, and then they will raise their children in the Lord. That's the, that's the, the, the beauty of what God does. If you look at statistics, you have a much greater chance of knowing the Lord if you grew up in a Christian home. Is that true? Can God save somebody who did not grow up in a Christian home? For sure he can. But this is what the Lord is. He's merciful and gracious. 
abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. That slow to anger means to be patient with us. Now, as you go through the Old Testament, he says this again several times in the Pentateuch. Then it says in the Psalms. It talks about it in the prophets. And this same phrasing is used over and over again. Why would he keep repeating it? Why do you think that is? It's because we have a tough time believing it. That God is slow to anger. Why? Because we're not slow to anger. Right? We think he's like us. We like, well, he's surely he's going to get justice. Did you, you just hear what that person said to them? Like, like he's surely going to come after him because that's what I would want to do. But that's not our God. He is slow to anger. And the fact that he is slow to anger is, a, is, 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 is proof right here that you're sitting here this morning. Because if he was not slow to anger, none of you would be saved. You would have rebelled against him, shook your, his, you shook your fist at him, and then you would have been dead. That would have been just. It would have been right. But he is slow to anger. Uh, Nehemiah 9, 17. Uh, Nehemiah is looking back on the Israelites. You know, they just came out of, uh, of Egypt and God had done these amazing things. And he, he's reflecting on God's character towards them. They refused to obey, that's the Israelites, and were not mindful of the wonders that you performed among them. But they stiffened their neck and appointed a leader to return to their slavery in Egypt. But you are a God ready to forgive, gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, and did not forsake them. He could have, and nobody would have blamed him if he did, but he is not like us. And so that's good news for you and I this morning. And, and is, is, he, is he patient in the New Testament? Anybody think he might be patient in the New Testament? Well, if you know our God, he is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And we read in 2 Peter 3, 9, The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. Jesus, I thought you were coming back. Why have you not come back yet? I mean, look at our world. Like, it's so messed up. Like, are you not coming back? And I, I think a lot of us are praying that these days. Why has he not come back? What does the scripture tell us? Because he is patient. And he still has some people who need to be saved. Some people who will become his children. That's great news. So he knows the right time. And he will return, but until that time, let us be about his work. And let us give thanks that he has been slow to be, or slow to be anger with us, and he has saved us. I pray that that's your testimony here this morning. As you look back on your life, you can see God's patience with you. And that he has led you to this point. Well, what about his son? I want us to appreciate the conduct of patience in the ministry of the Savior. Uh, they appreciate the conduct of patience in the ministry of, sa of the Savior. Now, most people don't have a problem understanding that Jesus was patient as they understand the Gospels, but I want us to, to just look at a few uh, verses here. When Again, remembering the idea of patience being this, the ability to endure a long time, whatever opposition and suffering may come our way, and to show perseverance without wanting retaliation or revenge. Do you think Jesus modeled that? First uh, Peter 2, 21 to 25. First Peter 2, 21 to 25. It says this. 
for to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example, so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and to live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed, for you were straying like sheep, but now have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. He did not revile. He did not threaten. He could have, right? He, is, he, he was the most powerful person on this earth that we've ever had, right? He could have, he could have called down 10,000 angels. He could, he could have done whatever he wanted. But instead, he was slow to anger. He was patient. And as he hung upon the cross, what did he say? Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Where's your heart this morning? Do you have a heart to forgive like our Savior forgave? When people come against you, when, when, when people threaten you, is that your heart? At Bright says this, patience has a lot to do uh, with how much you're able to bear or carry. That's why when we run out of patience, we say, I can't bear it anymore. Parents, do you ever say that? Maybe, you know, certain days, and, and maybe usually your ch child's an angel, but that day they just didn't get enough sleep, okay? And they try your patience. And, and you, it's, it's almost like a, a physical feeling. Do you know what I'm talking about? Just like after a while, you're just like, I don't know if I can take this anymore. I don't know if I can take this anymore. And, and there's this temptation to what? To get angry, to, to, to lash out, to, 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 to do that which we ought not to do. But to be patient is to continue to wear, uh, carry the weight. Wright says this, when God is patient, when God forgives, it is only because God chooses to carry our sins himself, to bear the weight and cost to them on his sh shoulders. And that, of course, is exactly what Jesus did on the cross right? He bore our weight. Now, Isaiah 53, Isaiah 53 verse 4, surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. This is what God did for us. Isaiah 53, 6, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of his all, uh, sorry, of us all. And then Isaiah 53, 12, yet he bore the sins of many and makes transgression for the transgressors. See, the Lord, when his patience towards us has bore our sins, he has carried our sins. And so when you think about patience in your life, you are to, you're called to bear the weight of the sins of the people around you. Not to respond in the flesh. This morning, I pray that you know that Christ has bore your sins, that he has carried your sins. I don't know you, many of you, this morning, 
And, and I, you know, Chris could look around and be like, ah, that's the, this person's first time here. I've never seen them before. But I would want you to know this morning that if you have never placed your hope and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, that he has died for you. Though you did not deserve it, he has paid the price for your sins. And this morning, if you would repent of your sins and place your trust in him, he would forgive you and make you his child. That is the hope of the gospel. And I pray you, you who are saved that that gospel never gets old because I don't know about you, but I realize more and more with every day how much my Savior has done for me. You know the old DC Talk song? I'm still in need of a Savior. You remember that? Some few of you are like nodding your heads. Not too many of you, but a few of you. Okay? But, but more and more every day I realize just how much Jesus has saved me and, and, and from, from when it comes to my sin. And I pray that everyone here knows that this morning. So now, what does this look like every day? So, so this is what God, the heart of the God, God of the Father is to be patient. Uh, Jesus was patient. And if you are filled with the fruit of the Spirit in your life, you will be patient. So what does this look like? I want to apply the cultivation of patience in the life of the believer. Apply the cultivation of patience in the life of the believer. First, remembering, not forgetting. forgetting. Remembering not forgetting. We, we need to remember the heart of the Father. We need to remember what he has told us in the scriptures if we are to be patient. And John 14, 26 reminds us that the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives, the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to remembrance all that I have said to you. We need to be men and women of the word. You, if you were to be a person who would be patient, you must know what the scriptures say. We need to remember that, that God was patient with us. Jesus bore our sin. We need to remember those things. And then we need to remember this, that God told us that in this world we would suffer hostility. Do you know that? The Bible tells you that? The Bible, Bible doesn't say everybody wants to be your friend. Anybody, anybody forget that sometimes in your life? And when you experience hostility or persecution of any kind or, or pushback, you're like, whoa, what's, what's happening? Why is this happening to me? Like, I'm a good person. I'm a nice person. I was just being nice to them. I was actually telling them Jesus loved them. And now they hate me. Anybody, like, surprised when the trial comes? We're surprised. I, I mean, I'm surprised when it happens. Maybe it's just me. But Peter tells us what in his word? 1 Peter 4, verse 12. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. Doesn't that feel like? This is strange. Why is this happening to me? He said, don't be surprised. But rejoice in so far as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed, because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. And it's hard to understand why people come against you. But Jesus was perfect, and they came against him. And I can guarantee you, we're not perfect. So if he experienced it, 
we should experience hostility. This is what he tells us. What about Paul? Paul says something very similar. 2 Timothy 3, 10 through 12. You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra, which persecutions I endured. Yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. And so I want to encourage you this morning that as you live out your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and you do it faithfully, you will experience people who do not like you. You will experience people who hate you, but you just keep doing what you're doing. Jesus said that if you are doing and living a godly life, you will experience persecution. Now, we don't experience that at the level some other brothers and sisters do around the world, but maybe it's coming. And if it does come, then let us not be surprised that it has come. 1 Peter 4, 19 says this, Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. Did you catch that part? According to whose will? According to God's will. If he desires that you would suffer, then that's what will happen. Don't not be surprised, but rather submit to him and entrust him with your soul to help you while you do good. So remember, don't forget, if you're going to be patient, right? If you remember that's what's coming, you're prepared, right? Secondly, forgiving, not begrudging. Forgiving, not begrudging. As we've seen at the heart of patience, of, uh, at the heart of, the pa- of patience is, is God's forgiveness. When Jesus was at the height of his suffering, he prayed that the Father would forgive his persecutors, his enemies. Many of you this morning are familiar with Stephen. You guys remember Stephen? Acts chapter 6. There's a, there's a problem feeding the widows. Uh, the, the, the disciples are like, hey, we, we, we got to pray. We got we to gotta preach. We, we, we can't be distracted by that. So let's appoint some guys in the church who can faithfully help us with that. And so Stephen is one of those guys. And Stephen was a godly man. It says that he was full of, of grace and of power. How would you like that said about you? All right? Yeah, John, man, that guy, full of grace and full of power. Not because of who John was, but because of the work of God that he was doing in his, in, in his life. And so what? People didn't like him, right? And persecution came, and they tried to argue with him. And guess what? They kept losing because they were fighting with the Spirit of God within him. And so they're like, well, we can't, we can't, we can't reason with this guy. And so I guess we're going to have to just take him out. And so what did they do? The same thing they did with Jesus. They lied about him, and they brought him before the Sanhedrin, And then he preaches one of the best sermons ever preached. And the people were so excited to hear it. Were they excited to hear it? Do you know the story? They were not excited to hear it. They they were very angry by the time he was done his sermon. And they are ready to stone him. And then we read this, verse 55 of Acts chapter 7. But he, Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, Behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they cried out with a loud voice and 
stopped their ears and rushed together at him. Then they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. And I think most of you know who Saul is. And as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. He died. Again, he, he, he followed in the footsteps of Jesus and said, forgive them. And how great is it? You just flip over to chapter 9 and you see this guy by the name of Saul who's ready to persecute the church even more so and God gets a hold of his life. God answers Stephen's prayer and does not hold this sin against him but rather forgives him and he is used mightily for God. And I want to just encourage you that we can be Stevens in people's lives. When they come against us and they want to say all kinds of evil things against us, when we are patient with them and we have a heart to forgive them, then who knows how the Lord might use that to bring them to faith in him. Now, many of us won't face persecution like that, but you probably will have an opportunity to forgive one another. Anybody have an opportunity this last week? On the way to church this morning, did anybody have an opportunity to forgive each other? Well, yeah, because that's 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 what's needed if we as sinners live together and are together in the church. I always tell our people, if if you come to our church, you will be hurt. I mean, so many people... Are, are not going to church today because they say, well, we got hurt at church. Well, they didn't remember the expectations. The expectations are we are sinners and we will need to forgive one another. Sometimes it's silly stuff, right? To bear with one another. You were late for a meeting, right? It, it, somebody was driving too slow in front of you on the way here this morning. Bearing with one another, this is the word that's used. Colossians 3.13, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. We have to be quick to forgive one another in the church, in our marriages, in our families. Sometimes it's just like a, a little habit somebody does. You know, couples, you remember like that little habit you thought was so cute when, when you first got, you know, date, you're dating. Like, oh, I love it when they do that, you know. But now that you've been married for 20 years, you don't think it's cute anymore. <laughs> right? Well, what is that? Oh, you know, it just bugs me. It just, it just bothers me. I don't know, you know, and he says, I don't even know why, but it just bugs me. And it's bu-. Well, again, if we're going to overcome that, first thing we need to do is humble ourselves. You think you don't have things in your life that kind of that bother your spouse in the way that you do things? And, and, and the other thing is, when we say those kinds of things, like, you know, the, why can't you drive you know, properly? Why can't you? It's pride. I have it all together. Nobody else has it together. And, and you know, so, so be like me. But if somebody was to point out a fault in you, what would you say? Well, okay, but, you know, you have to understand, you know, I, I, sure I was late, but here's all the reasons I was late and, you know, forgive me, right? Like, isn't that our first reaction? So be humble. Be humble as Christ was humble. That's how we forgive one another. You remember how much Christ has forgiven you and you be quick 
to forgive. And some of the things, honestly, they're not even a forgive thing. It's just like, you know, the little, the little things that bug you, just get over it, right? And love your spouse. Love your children, right? Love those who are around you. It says this in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. Why would he need to say that? Because we need to bear with one another in love. Not always going to like one another. You're not always going to be happy with what one another are doing. But you need to bear with one another. You need to, as Christ bore our sins, you need to bear the sins of one another and help them along and encourage them along. All right? So uh, third thing, slowing, not hurrying. Slowing, not hurrying. We live in a society that thinks fast is best. Is that not true? If it's fast, oh, I can get on the internet quicker. Okay, like, is there a 10G yet, right? Like, it's just like, I mean, at some point, it's almost laughable, right? But, but if you stop and think about it, fast is not always better. Who would prefer a microwave meal versus a meal that took you five or six hours to, to make? Anybody want the microwave meal, right? I mean, bachelors, you probably, that's what you do. That's what I did. You know, if it took five minutes, that was good for me. Like, I got something in my gut, and I'm ready to roll, you know? But, but, but a good meal takes time. And, and, and so it is with character, so it is with abilities. I like what Manikoff says here. The NFL running back doesn't make the big game without years in the gym. The college professor doesn't stand up to teach without years in the library. The pastor doesn't see growth, not real growth, without years on his knees. This is how God typically works, and it requires patience. Day in, day out. Note that it says to walk in the Spirit. What does that mean? One step at a time, right? Day in, day out, we walk by the Spirit. It's not a race. It's a continued direction, or sorry, continued going in the same direction, one step at a time. You know, part of our failure to walk by the Spirit, if we're being honest, is that we're just so busy, we're just so busy. You know, I, 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 I don't have time for my devotions. I don't have time to pray. I've just got, I got to go, 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 go. And I, I'm sorry I was short with you and I, I lost my temper there, but I just, I just, like, right? And we're like, you know, how are you doing? Busy. And it's like a badge of honor. Well, maybe we should stop going with society and stop living, or start living more biblically. And so we need some time in life. We need a time to pray. We need time to just sit and meditate on God's word. When's the last time you did that? Just like be, be still before him and just think about how awesome he is. If you have that in your life, you're also going to have patience in your life. You're going to have the fruit of the spirit in your life. And so I want you just to start thinking about what's my schedule need to look like? You know, September, it's coming, right? New routine. What's the new routine going to look like? Is it going to be busy, busy, busy? Or are you going to have some space in your life to slow things down. Of course, one of the most famous verses when it comes to slow, when it comes to our actions, is James chapter 1. James chapter 1, verses 19 and 20. He says this, No less, my beloved brothers, let every one be, person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. We, we ought to be quick to, to sit and listen to one another, hear what they have to say, and then to think, 
Lord, what do you want me to say? If it, if it comes as a rebuke, again, same thing. Lord, help me to respond now in a way that would bring you honor and glory. So let us slow things down. Fourthly, persevering, not quitting. Persevering, not quitting. Uh, again, Menikoff says this, It's easy to become discouraged when the cross is heavier than you thought it would ever be. Life is harder than you want it to be. Obstacles are taller than you prefer. And growth is slower than you had expected. But wading through pain is part of God's design. It's his redemptive plan unfolding over time in the individual lives of his people. This is the way God works. And, and many of you here who are of any kind of age this morning, you know there's times of trial that come into your life that just are really burdensome. And, and it would be one thing if it lasted just a day or two, but when it goes on weeks and months and sometimes years, it can be really, really hard to be patient. But God calls us to persevere. You know, one of the things that happens when we, when we start looking around, at, at, you know, we're going through that, those difficult times, everybody else's lives look better, don't they? Right? Like, oh, man, they, their life is amazing. You know, you're looking at your neighbors as you're pulling out for church on Sunday morning. You're like, man, they're just still sleeping. Man, that would, be, that'd have, been, that would have been great. I could have used that sleep. I'm so tired. Uh, the psalmist in Psalm 73, this is what happened to him. He says in verse 2, But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped. For I was envious of the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. He started looking around at the world around him, and he was convinced, man, they, they have it better than me. But if you continue to read through that psalm, you see that he, continue, he gets his eyes on the Lord. He thinks about times of worship, and he's like, no, no. It's better with the Lord. Even in my trial, it's better with the Lord. Think about a man like Joseph. He had some great brothers, right? You guys know who Joseph is in the Old Testament? These brothers hated him so much, they sold him into slavery. Like, how would you like that, a brother like that, right? I see some kids in here. Any, maybe your sister or brother's like that. I don't know, but I hope not. And they sold him into slavery. And if it wasn't bad enough for him to go into a slavery, then he winds up in prison, and then God places him and second in command in Egypt. And his brothers come along, and they think, man, we're, we're going to get it now. After they figure out who he is, they're like, we're going to get it. The only reason he's not retaliated, the only reason he hasn't been angry with us yet is because dad's still alive. But as soon as dad is dead, we're dead. We're gone. Because look at what we did. But what's his perspective? What does Joseph say? Verse 20 of Genesis 50. But as for you, you meant evil against me. He wasn't letting them off the hook. Like, oh, you guys, you're just misunderstood. I just misunderstood you. No, you meant evil against me. But God meant it for good to bring about that many people will be kept alive as they are today. And I want you to and just encourage you, if you're under a weight today, understand God is in control. He is over it. And you may not get to see all that he is doing with it. Sometimes God is gracious and he shows you what he's doing through the trial. Sometimes he doesn't. But can I encourage you to, again, to open the scriptures? 
Romans chapter 15, verse 4 says this, For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through encouragement of the Scriptures we might have hope. As we look at the lives who have gone before us, like they endured, they continued on, they were faithful, and then look what God did through all of that. We get to look at their lives. Sometimes we don't get a perspective like that in our lives, but, but God is at work. And James chapter 5 says this, James 5, verse 10, As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. When you are enduring, when you're tired, look to the prophets. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast, right? Look at them. They continued on, and now we say they're blessed. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. And why is Job in the Bible? He wants us to look at him and say, look at that example. Look at the steadfastness of Job, the patience of Job. Anybody heard that saying? How did that, how did that saying, saying come about? It's because he walked through a trial and he developed patience. And so the Lord is working in your life. I want to encourage you that with, this morning, that with that this morning. God is over every single detail of your lives and whatever you're going through, he is using it to make you more and more like his son, Jesus. And then lastly, I want you to think about this, waiting, not demanding, waiting, not demanding. This flows out of the previous point. God is the one who's in control. He is Lord and you are not. He determines the timing on things in your life. And if we're being honest, God is rarely early, right? When it comes to these things, he, he, he tends to wait to the 12th hour, it seems like, right? Uh, it, again, I know you guys have been looking at Genesis a little bit. Abraham, how old is he when he's told he's going to have a kid? 75 years old. So nine months later, they had a baby. Is that what happened? 25 years later, all kinds of trials, all kinds of things that happened in their life. It wasn't until 25 years later, his son Isaac, not been able to have a baby. He prays at 40 years old, Lord, help us to have a baby. 60 years old, they have a baby. 20 years of waiting. Can I encourage you to wait on the Lord, knowing that his timing is perfect. Menikoff says this, expect to wait. Expectations matter. If you assume God is going to alleviate your suffering, change your spouse, prosper your ministry, or grow your church, then you've adopted a version of the prosperity gospel. Who knows? God may bless you in these ways. He may lighten your burden tomorrow. But he might not. But he might not. Are you okay with that? Do you trust him? Do you know that he is good? And that he will give you the strength to continue to persevere as long as you need to persevere. Wait on him. And as we wait, we wait with hope. As you've grown, as I thought about this, as we close up this morning, I want us to think about the fact that we're all kind of groaning right now. Jesus, come, right? Who, who doesn't want Jesus to come? Well, the only person that doesn't want Jesus to come is the person who's not living for Jesus, right? But we all long for him to come. We, we cannot wait to, to not have no more worries, no more burdens, no, no, more, no, no more being impatient and struggling with sin, no more of that. Like, we long for that day, but it's coming. It's coming. Do you know Romans chapter 8, verses 19 to 25? It says this, for the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. 
For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, we who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we eagerly await for adoption as sons the redemption of our bodies. The new body is going to be great. It's going to be amazing. No more temptation, no more pain, no more struggle. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. With patience. And so we long for that day. We pray as as John prayed, come soon, Lord Jesus. But in the meantime, we wait upon the Lord. And as you do, I pray, as you as believers, I pray that that fruit of the spirit of patience would be seen increasingly in your life. Not for your glory, but for God's glory. And so I don't know, you, you, you probably have a few enemies in your life right now. You have a, a, a few, few people who will be coming against you. I, I want to just encourage you to hear this word of being patient towards them. Just be quick to forgive. You model the character of God in your life so that they might see Jesus. And who knows what God might do in saving that person. If you don't know Christ this morning, I pray that you would not take his patience towards you for granted. But this morning you would hear him calling you to become his son, to become his daughter. And that you would ask for forgiveness, knowing you don't deserve it, but trusting that he would forgive you. And I know Pastor Chris would love to talk to you about that if that's where you're at this morning. But I want to pray for us, and then we're going to continue to worship. God, I thank you for your patience towards us. Lord, it was not deserved in any way, but that's your character, God. You're patient. And God, as I think about my own life, I, I know that I so often fail in this regard. But God, I, I ask, Lord, help me, strengthen me in my weakness. God, would you have your way in my life? Lord, I'm so thankful for this church family. I'm so thankful that you know every heart here today. Those who are wrestling in the same way, who, who struggle with forgiving, who struggle with being patient with those around them. God, would you... Encourage them this morning that, Lord, as they submit to you, patience may be found. Lord, help them not to just pray that prayer, but help them to desire that patience in their life, to see that it is the better way, the good way, your way. And then, Lord, if there is still be anyone here unrepentant this morning, Lord, would you be gracious to them? Would you grant them forgiveness? Would you grant them repentance, Lord, that they might look to you? It is all to your glory. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.